0: Welcome to this week's podcast from Suncoast Church. We hope that this message inspires you and helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. For more details, check out suncoast.org.au. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, if you're anything like us here, you're probably in cleaning mode and maybe there's a whole lot of mess around your house right now or in your kid's room right now. And truth is a lot of areas in our life can often be uh, messy. And so what we're gonna do over the next month or so, we're beginning a new series called Address the Mess. It's gonna be a whole lot of fun, but more than just that, I think it's gonna be super helpful wherever you are in life. And maybe there's a part in your life that this is a great opportunity and a great moment for us to double down on some areas and maybe maybe been neglected and maybe haven't received the attention that you would have liked to have given it or that it's truly needed and now's the time we can ultimately address the mess and you know we often over the past couple of months we've been filming a nice kind of clean speaking areas where it's all nice but the truth is a lot of a lot of the spaces around here are like this they're just stuff around and where different projects and operations having and the truth is, this could often be the picture of so much of our lives where there's a whole lot going on. But if we look at it in entirety, it can be, well, it can seem quite messy. And it might not be bad things, it could be great things, things that are useful, things that are helpful. But if we do not get some of these things in order in our life, often much of our life can be a perpetual mess. And maybe you found yourself saying something like this, I know I certainly have in my life before, you know, I have made a mess of everything. Or maybe you've said the thing, you know, look at look at the mess that I've made. We can make mess of, you know, obviously trivial things like environments and bedrooms and homes and yards, but we can also make a mess of serious things, of, of, of the really important things. We can make messes of the relationships in our lives that are truly the most important thing. I mean, we can make messes, financially in our life, we get ourselves into trouble, we can make a mess of our health. And for some of you, maybe you feel like even in your mind, it's just thoughts are just everywhere. And and if anything, they just feel there's anything but in order. And maybe you're someone that is not even a Christian and you've tuned in here today and you're watching this or whatever device you're watching this on. And maybe your ideas about God, you wouldn't say are anything but neat, in order. Maybe that's not a bad thing. I think in one way, we're all figuring this out as we go. But I think there's incredible news. And this is what we're gonna see through this series about what Jesus has to show us about getting our lives in order and how ultimately we can address the mess. Now, if you think about how things get in a mess, you know, sometimes a mess happens, uh, you know, suddenly, all of a sudden things were neat and then something falls off a table or a camera falls off the stands, which literally happened just before we press record and things can get in a mess. That one was for Nick, who's awesome. Don't edit that out. Um, or they can happen kind of gradually where over time we just neglect some certain things. And, you know, I've always had this thought, something in our life that might be uh, low maintenance and, you know, you give it attention and you, you, you constantly, you know, look at it to improve it or make it better. Something that is low maintenance in our life that gets no maintenance eventually will become high maintenance. And maybe you've got some areas in your life right now that once upon a time, they weren't high maintenance like it is now. And you look at it and go, how did this get in a mess? It happened gradually, just a little bit of neglect. Boom, you got mess. It became complicated and it became difficult. Now, while this might look like your life in some way and you wish your life might look more like this with some nice ambient candles. I know uh, growing up as a teenager, my room was often more like this, often a mess. And my dad says something to me I'll never forget. He said, usually mess happens because you don't, have an allocated place for everything. You need a place to put something. And usually a mess happens is you, number one, you don't have a place for something or number two, you just don't put it in its place. And I think he's right on a fundamental level. That's what really a mess is. Something doesn't have a place, so it's put anywhere or it just hasn't been put in its place. And as much as that can be true of spaces, it was true of my teenage bedroom, might be true of your child's bedroom or your own bedroom, Um, It can be true of so many areas in our life. It certainly can be true in our finances. And for many of us, maybe you found yourself right now without a plan, without a strategy, without a clue, and you found your finances are in, a mess, and hopefully this series is going to be a lot of practical things that will help you with that. And again, it can happen suddenly, and some of you might have fallen suddenly onto difficult times financially, and I'm hoping there's going to be a whole lot of hope through this series that's going to help you, but and other times we can be in a mess financially because of neglect, there just wasn't intention, things weren't allocated, or they had nowhere to allocate, and so we find ourselves in a mess. It can be true of our time, maybe you have often find yourself saying, I'm too busy for that, We're gonna look at that because we all had the same amount of time in our day, don't we? All of us. But how we allocate that or where we allocate certain responsibilities can determine whether we're fruitful or productive with our time. Even with our priorities, maybe you found yourself saying, I have too much on my plate. The tragedy with a statement like that is if you find yourself in life, not allocating part of your life or your time or your energy or resources to things that are truly most important. And if we fill our lives up with things that might not be bad, they're just not super important. We find ourselves or at least our priorities in a mess. It's just we haven't allocated these resources of our life effectively. And in this series, in this series, what I'm hoping we will achieve together by the grace of God is that we will look at what we have been given by God, the life you've been given, the opportunities you've been given, the gifts you've been given, the moments you've been given, and we're going to look at how to make the most of it. And unfortunately, when things are in a mess, we don't get to make the most of it. Now, if you're anything like me, when we talk about addressing the mess, your mind might quickly go to a certain mess that someone else has created. And don't we do that, right? We look at the messes of our people in our world. We can look at the mess of our neighbor. I mean, we, literally your little neighbor, you might look, I wish they would clean up their backyard. I wish they'd mow you know, their front lawn. We might look at our spouse and the areas of their life where they're out of line or you're uninspired by, or maybe your kids' lives and you feel like, when are you gonna get your act together? When are you gonna make a plan for your life? And, and you know before though, before we talk about any of that, and I'm asking you to do this today, before we start looking at addressing other people's messes, I want us together to address the mess in the mirror. I want you to stop just for a moment. And before looking at everything else that's wrong with everyone else's lives and everything that's wrong with the world, and man, there is just so much that's wrong and so much that needs addressing. But let's pause that for a moment and let's look at our own lives. And I'm asking you to do something that, yeah, it's bold and sometimes it's, it's uncomfortable, but ultimately it's gonna require something that is truly magnificent. And I'm asking you by addressing the mess in the mirror, I'm asking you to take the path of humility. It really does take humility to stop and pause and address our own mess. But the amazing thing about humility It is the greatest gateway to our growth in life. If you really wanna grow, and I'm hoping you don't, I'm going with the assumption that you recognize your heavenly father has so much potential for your life and has so much opportunity for your life and has so much good in store for your life. And you wanna grow into that, well, humility humility is the pathway. Because what happens is this, we don't pause to look at our own lives and to look at maybe the messes that we have made intentional or unintentional, and we find ourselves blaming others, here's, here's the tragedy with blame. When we blame, we no longer change. And we press pause on any growth, on any forward momentum or movement in our life. When we blame, we no longer change. And isn't this, isn't this true? That no one has ever blamed their way to happiness. I know I sure haven't. We don't blame our way to happiness. We certainly don't blame our way to health. No one's blamed their way to wealth. Certainly no one's ever blamed their way to spiritual maturity. So before we start looking at the messes others have made, and indeed, we all can be responsible for making messes in other people's lives, I want us to stop and look at maybe the messes we've made in our own life. And if that sounds daunting, and I get that it might, if humility sounds daunting, remember this that we have the most amazing example of humility in Jesus. And if you're not familiar with the full message of Christianity, at its heart, the message of Jesus is God humbling Himself, putting, clothing Himself in human skin, the Son of God, Jesus. And He took the path of humility in order to address our mess God took the path of humility and God didn't see humility as beneath Him. And so you're in good company and we get to follow the example of our Heavenly Father who humbled Himself even to the point of a servant on our behalf. And so, so here's the thing. We don't now address the mess, the mess in the mirror because we're trying to gain God's approval. And I wanna set this right from the outset the whole tone of this series, the whole tone of today in this moment, we talk about addressing the mess isn't so that you and I can suddenly have great standing with God and solve, solve all our problems with God and somehow make ourselves more acceptable in the eyes of God. Because God has already chose the path of humility, you and I now get to address the mess in our lives, not to gain God's approval, but from God's approval. You are already loved. He already thinks the world of you. He's already proven it by humbling himself and laying His life down for your mess and for my mess and the mess of the whole world. So we don't now try to address the mess to gain God's approval. We do it because we've got God's approval. And that's an amazing thing, which is also great because we get to do it now with His grace, And everything we're gonna talk about, this isn't simply self-improvement. And the last thing I want you to think, this is just gonna be some motivational you know, TED talk about how to make three steps to making your life better and hashtag living your best life. No, 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 this is so much more important than that. Because of what God has given us through Jesus, you have access to His grace for your life. And His grace has two sides to it. One side of God's grace is where He freely accepts you, forgives you as you are, mess and all. But the other side of God's grace It's His power. It's how God enables you and I to overcome the mess in our lives. He's there to help you and His grace is here for you and I. Now, here's how Jesus talked about this particular area of us addressing the mess in our own life. And this is in what is now known as the Sermon of the Mount. And I'm gonna read from Matthew's Gospel, Matthew, bit of background, he was a tax collector when Jesus met him. And if you understood anything about the ancient world, particularly throughout the Roman Empire, tax collectors were hated because they were essentially seen as, you know, betraying their own, their own people. So he was Matthew, would have been hated by people. Jesus comes along in his capacity as a rabbi and invites Matthew to follow him. And Matthew was then able to record everything he saw Jesus do, everything he heard Jesus teach, and his gospel was written Um, directly to Jewish believers. And so there's a whole lot of uh, analogies and pictures in there and language in there that when he wrote this in the first century AD, Jewish believers would have totally understood where he's coming from. And so right in the middle of this, we're gonna look at one of the most profound sermons Jesus preached, a Sermon on the Mount. This is from Matthew chapter seven. I'm gonna read from verse three. Here's what Jesus said. He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust, at the speck of sawdust, in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How's that for a question? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Pretty straight hitting words from Jesus here. But ultimately, I think he's pointing something out that we all intuitively know is that we have a great ability to notice what is often wrong or messy, don't we? In other people's lives, yet we conveniently find all the excuses in the world to ignore addressing the mess or the messes and what is out of place in our, in our own life. And it is just just—it is just far too easy to do. I mean, think of it this way, right? Have you ever gone to someone's house and... You know, you rock up and you're hoping to see this neat house and everything in order. But then you get there and it's it's a bit more like this, right? It's 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 messy. We so easily notice what is out of line. And say someone's house is perfect, but then you go, oh, you know, this is with a little bit of dust here. Like we so easily notice that even the small things are out of place in other people's homes. But yet in our home, we've learned to live with messes. I mean, those socks have been on the floor for a month to become part of the carpet. I mean, that stain in the kitchen, which you're like, I was gonna get to it and now just become part of the art decor that you've put there on, in, you know, your kitchen, right? We learned to live live with our mess and if we ignore it for long enough we just accept it but yet when we see someone else's we're quick to point it out and we're quick maybe even to make judgments about it and we learn to live with our own mess and so we make excuses for our mess we even justify our mess we do anything but address our mess and in this passage here I don't think Jesus is saying hey hey you know You don't simply ignore the messes that are in the world and in other people's lives around you. But I think he is warning us against pointing out what is wrong in another person's life, what you and I at least think is wrong or out of line or can get better in another person's life. But yet um, ignore the messes in our own lives and leave them unaddressed. Because, and here's the point I think Jesus is making. When our own life is in a mess, this is what Jesus says here, it affects our vision to properly see another person. This is what he's saying. He goes, if you're pointing out the speck in another person's eye, right? There's like a little something there. He goes, you've got this whopping plank. I mean, just think of the analogy, oh, Jesus is trying to be as blunt as he can. He goes, you've got a whopping plank sticking out of, it.' I mean, it's graphic, right? But he's saying, ultimately, it's gonna affect your vision. And we go around pointing what's wrong with everyone else and make our calls and make our judgments about everyone else. And Jesus is saying, do you not see? And that's the point, he's saying, you don't see. You can't see because you have got this whopping plank that needs addressing in your own life. This is what's called being judgmental, to be judgmental. And there is a world of difference between being judgmental and exercising good judgment. I don't think for a moment Jesus is trying to advocate for not showing good judgment in life. I mean, that is wisdom. Showing good judgment is wise. It's being intentional. Um, it's it's looking for the pursuit of truth and meaning and a defense of peace. But to be to be judgmental, it's a tone, there's an agenda, there's an attack. And Jesus is warning about being judgmental. The huge difference between ultimately wanting to help someone, hear this, to help someone and wanting to merely correct someone. And I want you to pause for a minute because this is what Jesus is warning. When we talk about the messes in our lives, the messes in other people's lives, we so easily, right, can point out what's wrong about the world or what's wrong about our leaders or what's wrong about our neighbours or what's wrong about our loved ones, right? But if your agenda is to simply be right about what's wrong in their life and to correct them, Jesus is warning against that. He's saying, hey, but you can have an agenda to help and when we point out what's wrong with other people's lives, are we just doing it to be right or are we pointing it out so we can help? And there's a huge difference between wanting to help someone and simply wanting to correct someone. And when we go about projecting our view or to take, to give our take or our judgments on the world, are we doing it? Am I doing it to simply be right? Or am I doing it because, and this is, a, come on, be honest. And again, this is the path of humility. Am I doing it because I actually do genuinely want to be helpful. And perhaps the reason why we can never ultimately seem to help others as we would like or to get the results we would like in those around us is maybe because, and here's what Jesus might be suggesting, maybe it's because we're not seeing clearly. Maybe it's because we have a huge plank in our own eyes. Maybe the reason that you and I are not effectively being able to help people in our lives whose lives are a mess because maybe our own lives are in such a mess and we can't see clearly to help anyone. Now, at a deeper level, and stay with me. Jesus here, if you can read it one way, is comparing the sin of judgment to all other sins like a plank versus a speck like a speck of sawdust versus a plank. In other words, he's saying this, if they're the person you're wanting to correct or point out what's messy in their life, yes, indeed, there might be something immoral and something out of place. But if your agenda is merely to point out that they're wrong and to condemn them and to criticize them, rather than looking to help them, like Jesus would suggest, then Jesus is saying that your sin of correcting them and condemning them and judging them is like a plank compared to their speck. In other words, Jesus is saying, your critical attitude and the way you're judging people, in His eye, that's like the enormity of a plank compared to a speck of sawdust. Jesus hates it when we are judgmental and we come criticising. We, I mean, I'm using strong language here. But this is a picture we see here with Jesus. He hates it. Instead of coming with wanting to help people and support people where people might be weak or struggling, I mean, think about when you make it personal, how different is it when someone comes out and points out what's wrong in your life and they do it from just wanting to make you feel bad compared to someone who's there going, I am here to help and I'm gonna walk you through this. In the same light, in the same light, and what we're hoping to do through this series is not simply acknowledge where we're in a mess so that we can just throw a pity party and God has no interest in just pointing out what is wrong in our life to make us feel horrible and to go, wow, look at all these areas that are wrong in my life. Woe is me, the reason He wants us to to point out these messes is because He wants us to address these messes. And by His grace, God's heart is here to help us. And we're gonna look now at some steps to address the mess. Now, one last word before looking at these steps. Just in case we view the term mess in this series as purely in negative terms, you know, things that are wrong in my life or, out of place in my life or incorrect in my life. And indeed, there are some things we're gonna address along that. I also wanna recognise that this can be talking about the good things in our life, things that are fruitful, things that are helpful, things that are godly, but they just might not, as we said at the start, be allocated to their proper place. They might be unallocated or just out of place. And so when they're out of place, You're not able to leverage them for all their worth. So we're hoping for this series, we're gonna look at the good things in our life, things like your money, things like your time, things like your resources, and maybe they've just been unallocated. Maybe they've just been in a mess. We're gonna look at getting them in a place so you and I can leverage them for all their worth. Now, right at the heart of Christianity is that, where we see, and we see this all through the New Testament. We see this in the first followers of Jesus, where Jesus found people where they're at and, and saw the good in them and saw the gold in them and was able to bring out their potential. And we see story after story after story. And maybe your life is an example of this is where Jesus met you where you're at in your mess. And instead of just pointing out everything that was wrong with your life, he's like, what can, how can we take what you've got and make something extraordinary from it? And this is the story we see all the time in the life of Jesus, and particularly through the New Testament as we see the church start to grow. So what I wanna look at, a perfect example of this, we see in the book of Acts. And if you're not familiar with Acts, Acts is a recording of a whole lot that took place in the first few decades after the resurrection of Jesus and the church started spreading and um, more and more people started following Jesus. It started out with mainly just Jewish people. Then the Gentiles, the rest of the world started getting in on this message and it began to change the world, And so people started uh, spreading this message wherever they went. And we pick up one story about such a moment. This was happening in the city of Ephesus, which is, I guess, the equivalent of modern day Turkey. And it's a story of a young man named Apollos. Apollos. And this is in Acts chapter 18, verse 24. It says, Meanwhile, there was a Jew named Apollos, who was a native, native of Alexandria, which was in Egypt. And he came to Ephesus, which is Turkey. He was, think of these words that Scripture uses to describe him. It says, He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the Scriptures. And he had been instructed in the way of the Lord. And he spoke with great fervour and taught about Jesus accurately, though he only knew the baptism of John. I wanna pause there just for a moment in that verse. I find what's interesting about here is in this moment, the New Testament hadn't been written in what we understand it now. It was still being written. Letters were still being written, epistles were still being written. And so, so what was happening is we had all the followers of Jesus, the apostles had seen the resurrected Christ. And it was big news. I mean, this is the news that has changed the world. And so the news started spreading. And so this was all very new. It was so big, it was so radical. They didn't have, I guess, in many ways, a full picture of just how enormous and how radical this was. And obviously they hadn't yet collated the New Testament, like we know it now into a book, you know, one book with many books inside of it. And so... So they were still kind of figuring this out as we go. And, and you see this all through Acts. Like a lot of times working through the book of Acts, you're like, what was going on there? They were the first. Like this was new. This was brand new. The gloves were off. Um, they, they were kind of figuring out the boundary of this. This was very new. And we find here Apollos who, Scripture points out here, the guy was a passionate follower of Jesus. And he was a great public communicator. And he was fervent. I mean, look at the adjectives that we're using here. But it had a though. It had, though, he only knew the baptism of John. Now, if you're not familiar with John, John was Jesus' cousin, and before Jesus began his ministry, John prepared the hearts of people by teaching a teaching on baptism, which essentially was telling people to turn from their sin, point out where, they were messy, where there was mess in their life, and to repent of it, to turn, say, you know, to, to get their life right with God because of it. And while John's message was correct, Jesus was then the fulfillment of the whole message, and so we find here. Apollos, who was passionately preaching about Jesus. And it wasn't that he was incorrect. He's just, his message was incomplete. He only knew the baptism of John. But here comes my first point when we look at steps of addressing the mess. What steps can we do to address the mess? Apollos didn't have it all figured out yet. He didn't have the full picture. He didn't have all his ducks in a line. But that did not stop him from getting on with his ministry and getting going with the job. He was hustling already. In other words, he began. And the first point to address the mess in our lives, this seems super simple, but that should be good for all of us. Number one, it's to begin. Just begin. When messes are huge, we look at messes in our life, and go, oh, there's so much mess here. What am I gonna do? You know, how's it ever gonna look like this? Just Begin. Just start somewhere. I don't even know. A te- what This isn't a tennis ball, what is it? A ping pong ball. I don't know how that got there. There you go. So whatever it is in your life, wherever there's random things in your life, just start there. Just begin and I know sometimes when a message in our life can be super great like for instance maybe your finances are so out of line right now maybe you feel like you were drowning in debt you don't know where your money's going or where it's coming from it's like where do I even begin maybe you're someone who's like I want to be I want to be generous and when I get more and when I have this all sorted then I'll be generous just begin just start with what you've got give something. Begin to allocate resource now. Just begin. Apollos didn't have the whole message. Now, he wasn't wrong, but he just got going. Sure, he had stuff to figure out, but we've all got stuff to figure out. So just begin. Don't wait for the ducks to all be in a line. If you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. So just begin. I mean, you've, let me use a few cliches. How do you need an elephant? One bite at a time. The hardest part of starting any run for those who run is just putting on your shoes. Sometimes the hardest part of any change or any growth is the start part, and I get that. So this is why it has to be the first step. Just begin. You have to understand this. Only movement can create momentum. Only movement can create momentum. And if you're wanting momentous change in your life with areas that are in a mess in your life, and areas that are out of whack in your life, the most important thing to begin with it's to begin. Just get some movement happening. If you get some movement happening, then you'll get some momentum. And eventually you turn around and you're like, wow, look how much I've cleaned up. And instead of looking at how far you got to go, you look at how much you've done. So I'm hoping someone will get this today. Just begin, just begin. I remember... When I was in university, at the start of every semester, they'd dump you with all your assessments and all your assignments for the whole semester. And it used to be so overwhelming. Could you see how much work you had to do? And if you looked at the whole semester in its entirety, it's like, what have I signed up for here? When to state so I can quit, right? So we just want to quit because it's so massive. What you do, you allocate things. You give them an order and a priority. And I would set, so the first, my first week of uni, I'd do this every single semester. I'd allocate where were things due and I'd set up what weeks I was working in it. And then once I was all allocated, i just begin in week one. Whatever allocated to week one? And I just begun. You've just got to begin. Only movement can create momentum. Okay, so Apollos begins. He starts preaching and teaching. And it says here that though he only knew the baptism of John. Verse 26, he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. Now, Introduces two new characters here, husband and wife, who were like pastors. So they were well-known throughout the New Testament church. It says, When Priscilla and Aquila heard Him, I love this part, they invited Him to their home and they explained to Him the way of God more adequately, more accurately. Now think about the subtleties and the language used here. They didn't correct Him. They didn't condemn Him they didn't because he didn't have the whole picture go, you're wrong, and then write a blog about it online, right? So they, they just explained to him how this was more adequately. They improved. They went on from there. But I love what happened here. They did it all within the environment of their home. Now think of that. They didn't call him out publicly. They did not want to make an example of him. It says they invited him to their home. Now what does your home speak of? speak of a place of trust, closeness, transparency, intimacy, hopefully where the masks are off. It's where there can be much more a personal exchange, where there can be mentorship, where there can even be a deeper challenge, where people can see the true you and you can get to know the true them. So here's my second step about addressing the mess. If the first step is to begin, the second step is to give someone the inside view. Give someone the inside view to your mess. Don't fall for the lie of isolation. (laughs) Yeah, and there's that word, right? Like we're all using that word for a whole lot of different important reasons right now, but make no mistake, in your own life, the longer that you remain isolated, alone in your mess, right? In your mess, the more we remain ignorant to just how much of a mess we're in, but also... just how much help there is. And if you recognise that a huge mess in your life, that things are out of order and you don't know where to begin, have you invited someone to have the inside view? And when you do that, two things will happen. One, you'll get a clear picture of just how much of a mess you're in. It could be way worse than you thought, but you might get a surprise. You actually might not be far. You might not be as much of a mess that your thoughts are convincing you you're in. The second thing will do, you'll realise there is so much help for you. And if you're part of a church, if you're part of, of, of our church community here, there is so much help for you. Can I just say one of the things that make the local church, what particularly makes this local church so fantastic is that we are a community. And we, we have people of all generations and all ages, people have been there, done that, bought the t-shirt and the shot glass and are willing to help you. There is help for your mess. But have you given someone the inside view? And again, this is where humility is is key. When you allow yourself to be in the home of someone who are further down the track to you in their life, who have their house in order and have learned to address the mess in their own life, you have two options. One, which I hope, when you see someone's life is, seems to be in order, neat, they've addressed the mess, the first option is you get inspired you're like, you came from what? And you ended up where? And when you allow someone to have the inside view to your life and you get the inside view to their life, it can lead to incredible inspiration to go, well, you did it, I'm gonna do it. But unfortunately, there's another option when that happens. And you walk into someone's life and you see how they've addressed their mess, instead of being inspired, we can become insecure. And we start comparing our mess to their address And we're like, I could never be like that. And then we start blaming or making excuses. But remember we said at the start, no one has ever blamed their way to happiness. And these are the two risks when we allow someone to have the inside view. But I wanna ask you, have you allowed someone to have the inside view of your life? Now, the reason this can be super unpopular is because, and isn't this this true, our culture our world, our society, and I'm using big general terms here, but stay with me, it places so much emphasis on the outside view. We place so much emphasis on the outside view, how our house looks, how our car is, our Botox, our career, our holidays, how this looks, right? And these are beautiful and wonderful things, but they're not the thing. They're not the most important thing, but our culture values the outside view so much, but so often neglects the inside view, but the inside view, what's going on in the inside of our life, this is what matters most to God. As much as we can clean up messes in our lives and get things in order, and that's beautiful and it's good, and God wants that because following Jesus will make you better at life, no doubt about it. God cares most importantly about the inside view. And that's also what makes God's love for us and His grace towards us truly amazing is that He knows us fully. I mean, you can sweep stuff under the rug, under the cup. Well, there is stuff under here too. You can sweep stuff all you want, but God knows it's there. The incredible thing, God totally understands our mess, but yet He loves us fully. It is unconditional. We don't have to look like this before God can love us perfectly. We look like this, and His love is already perfect towards us. And this is one of the most amazing things about following Jesus is that His love not only meets us in our mess, His love is the very thing that helps us to address our mess. That's why it's called His grace. And so if the first step is to begin. The second step is to allow someone to have the inside view. And the story finishes. So Aquila and Priscilla, they bring him to their home, explained to him the way of God more adequately. Then verse 27, it says, when a... so some time had obviously passed. When Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, which is another region, the brothers and sisters, Encouraged him, those who are in Ephesus. They encouraged him and they wrote to the disciples there, again, where he wanted to go, to welcome him. And when he arrived, catch this, simple but profound. He was a great help to those who by grace had believed. He was a great help to those who by grace had believed. Here's what's so amazing is He eventually addressed his mess so much under the mentorship, under the pastoral care, under the love and support of Aquila and Priscilla that he eventually had addressed his mess to the extent that he was now in a position to help others, to help others. And this leads to our third and final step to begin this series. The first is to begin, the second is to allow someone to have an inside view. The third is this, imagine who you are can help. Think about the help that is on the other side of you addressing your mess. Every time you would choose to address the mess, it positions you, like a polo to be a help to others, right? And two of the most important areas of people to help, those who are closest to you. Now think about those who are closest to you, your spouse, your children, those who you work with closely. When you have areas in your life that are out of balance, say your time management's horrible, but you sort out that mess in your life, it positions you to be much much more of a blessing and a help to those who are closest to you. And they will be super grateful that you address the mess of your bad time management. It says to them that you love them and you'll be in a position to have a positive impact on your home. I mean, think about if you get your finances figured out, it positions you to be a blessing to those. And I'm telling you, if you haven't enough to have finances and funds to invest into certain things or to, to love on the people in your home the way you want in a certain capacity, when you sort out of that mess, that enables you to be a great help to those who are closest to you. But the second group of people who enables you to help are those who may be struggling in the areas where you've had victory. And if you're willing to address your mess and you get to a stage where you've got the mess cleaned up It then positions you to help others then who are in the same mess you walked in. Those who may be struggling where you've succeeded. And right there is the heart of the Christian mission that we get from Jesus. Our mission is not to criticize or primarily just to criticize the world and where everything's wrong. It's ultimately to help the world, to serve the world, to be a blessing to the world, this is how Jesus led. He said, I will come and serve the world and be a help to the world. And as followers of Jesus, that is the example that we are following. So remember Jesus' words right from the start. He said, if you address the plank in your eye, if you address the mess, then you'll be able to help address the speck in your neighbor's eye. There's something about choosing the humble way of going, God, I'm gonna look at the mess in the mirror because we do know that God gives grace to the humble. And if you're in an, area of, in an area of your life that you know is super messy, and you're like, God, I need your help. Just asking God for help is an act of humility. It's recognizing that we didn't have it all together. And for some of you, maybe you love having it all together and you've been trying to have it all together. But the more you hang on to things tightly, the more it seems to be slipping through your fingers. In one act of humility of going, God, I need your help. What we know is God gives grace to the humble. Maybe you're someone who's never asked for God's help. Maybe you're someone you're not even convinced of God. You're not sure about God. But you do know you're in a mess and you could use all the help you get. Your heavenly Father offers you help freely. Would you humble yourself? And go, God, would you help me? So, your house or an area of your life might be in just a massive mess right now. But if you're humble enough to invite God into your mess, hear me, nothing is impossible. No mess is too great. No person is too far gone. Nothing is too broken. If you'd be humble enough to invite God in, and He's willing to your mess, nothing is impossible. Maybe you feel like your marriage, it's impossible. It's too messy. It's not impossible when you invite God in. Maybe you feel like your relationship with your kids is too far gone. There's too much brokenness there. If you invite God in, nothing is impossible. If you feel like financially you are strangled, it's impossible. If you invite God in, nothing is impossible. Would you humble yourself? Maybe the thing is, that's exactly what God did. He humbled himself to enter the mess of humanity. So my question to you today as we begin this series is where in your life can you invite in the grace of God to address your mess? What I'd love to do is pray for any of you right now that maybe have never done that ever. You've never invited God into your life. He loves you so much. And I would like to lead you in a prayer right now. And it's just the first step. It's that begin step. Maybe you're someone who's never connected with God and you've never opened your life to God having permission to make His home with you. And He does do just that. Maybe you're someone that you've closed off your life to God. But today you recognize your life's been in such a mess. You need to invite Him in. I'm gonna pray. I invite you to pray this prayer with me. It's simple and it goes like this. Dear God, Thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving my mess. Today, I invite you in to address it and to love me and to save me, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were encouraged by what you heard and inspired to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. For more details, check out suncoast.org.au. Hope you can join us again on the next podcast or here at Suncoast Church.